The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair podcast with your host Lakeisha Russell, licensed professional counselor, also known as America's Mental Wellness Ambassador. I am also the visionary and founder of the Evolving Chair Counseling and Consulting Agency right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where we specialize in servicing women and children and helping them heal from traumas, from depression, anxiety, literally any child or women issues. If you are interested in connecting with us and starting therapy, you can definitely go to my website at www.theevolvingchair.com or send me an email if you want to connect and set up your free 15-minute phone consultation at lakeisha at theevolvingchair.com. So we are going to head right into pop therapy segment. And so for those of you who are new and this is your first time listening to the podcast, pop therapy segment is where I highlight or um, talk about a movie, an article, um, something on social media, a TV show, and give it a therapeutic twist to it. And so today I actually just want to kind of highlight um we, we've probably all seen the quote floating around on social media um, saying, check on your strong friends. And just to kind of like flush that out a little more, I would even take out the strong part and just say, check on your friends, period. Because I think the thing about it, I don't think oftentimes we know who the strong friends are. Um, and, and we probably think all of our friends have some kind of support or some kind of outlet to share how they really feel. But I would challenge people to take out that strong part and just check on each of your friends, especially now with holiday seasons um, and the shift in the weather, because that definitely can dampen individuals moods. And so you never know what anybody is going through or what's going on with them. And just to kind of give you guys like an example, so even for me as a therapist, I think um, people automatically think, okay, oh, she has the tools and things like that and techniques to kind of help keep her grounded. Um, and, you know, she can do all the stuff that she teaches other people to do. But sometimes like I just need that person to vent to and talk to um, and be that sounding board. Like, I don't need you to fix anything. You know, I just need somebody to vent everything that has been going on. So for me, like this past week, has been really really hectic um especially because uh, a big heavy of my population is children um and so just this week for them I think they're starting to feel the um anxiety of not being in a structured setting because the holidays are coming up and they'll be out of school and so um Thursday was really tough um where I was really doing some heavy trauma work and so it was really emotionally draining. I felt exhausted and very tired. So to my friends that have texted me or called me and I did not respond, please don't take it personal or to heart. Um, I just needed time where I didn't necessarily need to communicate with people at that moment. Um, and I think I want to do a blog post about that, like how to um, support your friends who may be in this profession or any other kind of helping profession. Um, but but the gist of it, again, is just to check on each of your friends, regardless of what they do for a living, um, or even if you think that they have um, some kind of support or tools and techniques. You know, it's nice just to send um, a text saying, hey, I'm thinking about you or whatever it is. So, yes. Yeah, so remember to check on all of your friends and we'll be right back with the message from our sponsors after this and my very special guest. This session of the Evolving Chair podcast is brought to you by Audible. So for your free audiobook download today, go to audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D for your free audio audiobook download today. And we are back, you guys, with my very, very special guest, Miss Patrice Douglas, licensed marriage and family therapist. Patrice, you want to say hi to the Evolvers? 
Hey, Evolvers. And I'm so, so excited to have you on today's podcast session because you are known as the therapist for men. And you're a woman, right? So, like, how funny is that? (laughs) I I know. How did that happen? (laughs) Yes. But you do phenomenal work um, just within the male community and within the minority community, um, just shifting the stigma just about mental health, mental wellness, therapy, what it looks like and not to be afraid. So, like, I um, commend you for all your hard work that you are doing in the community. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. And so I always love to ask my listeners, like just about their childhood growing up and what led them um, in this line of work that they do. So why don't you share a little bit about what led you to be a therapist? Well, I knew that I was going to be a therapist around the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Christian, so I went to church and I took a spiritual gift test. And mm. that test pretty much confirmed that I was going to be a therapist. Oh, wow. Um, so from then on, and I've always had a passion. I mean, even growing up in the church, um, you know, friends, school or whatever the case may be, I was always the empathetic one that everybody would come running to. You know, at church, I had a um, like a sympathy card uh, ministry where like mm-hmm. kids and stuff, if their grandparents were sick or whatever, I would send the, uh, a card on their behalf. Wow. So just having that compassion being there for people has always been there since I was a kid. And so when God revealed that to me at nine, I thought that he was talking about, I was going to work for the FBI and I was going to work for the criminal justice system. So I was taking all these measures to, you know, work for the FBI and that is definitely not where I want to be. Or the, or the criminal justice system um, is a really big deal to me because I always feel like when people make mistakes, people turn their backs on them. They feel like they're never going to change. And so um, a big part of what I wanted to do was to help rehabilitate them and, and give them that second chance, which even though I don't work for the FBI or, you know, Mm -hmm. directly with the court system, I actually do on an outpatient basis, work with federal probation. And that just feeds my soul every day. Um, so yeah, therapy is something that I love to do. It took a while to get here. I mean, you got to go through, of course, elementary, (laughs) middle school, junior high, then you get to your bachelor's and you think you're everything and then you still got to get your master's. So 2016, when I got that master's and I got my intern number, it's been, you know, amazing ever since. So I'm just really grateful that people want to share, you know, their life stories, their struggles with me so that I can help them get to a path of, you know, better happiness. Yeah, thank you so much. And now, Patrice, what part of um, the purpose allowed you to focus on on men and minorities? Like what out of that blooms like, oh, my goodness, like, okay, like I really need to be at the forefront advocating for this population. Well, you know, that kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> for the men, not the yeah, not the yeah. minorities, because I'm going to always, you know, look out for my black community. Um, but when I initially got started, you know, practicing and, you know, earning my hours, um, mm-hmm. I was working for substance abuse for women. I was actually working at a residential um, uh, facility for women and an outpatient as well. How it happened was when I got another job at another agency uh, working with the federal probation population, majority of those clients were male. Mm -hmm. And so I never thought that I was going to be, you know, working with male and men in the capacity that I was just because that wasn't my thing. I always thought like I was going to, you know, sit in the chair and, you know, pull out the tissues and cry with my female clients. Mm -hmm. I always thought that that's what I was going to do. And then, you know, things changed and I started really understanding men and seeing how they connect with us as women, but they're afraid to show their most vulnerable states or Mm -hmm. maybe they're not expressing it in the the most um, not genuine way, but most direct way so that others can pick up on it. So it kind of just turned into my niche. And then when um, I started doing anger management, because I became certified, mm-hmm. a lot of those clients um, that were reaching out to me for anger management were men. So men over time just kind of just kept coming to me. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I guess like this is yeah. what I'm doing. And they don't want to leave. Like they, they never, wow. it's hard to discharge them. They don't want to leave because they finally feel like they have a, a, a place to, you know, express themselves without judgment. So, I mean, to date for black men, I would say I've, I've probably assisted 
at least 80 to 85 from wow. last year to now. Um, wow. So that time, like, you know what? It's, I'm going to be true to it. I am the black man's therapist. Wow. Um, and, you know, black men struggle. So I, I'm happy to be that person that they can come to and also give other therapists and other mental health professionals insight on how to treat them because they need us. Yes. They need all the support they can get. Um, so it kind of just happened out of nowhere. That was definitely not a lane that I was trying to go down. But it's a fun <laughs> lane. It is a fun yeah. lane. No, and I appreciate you for going down that lane, you know, and um, realizing that need and, and um, just being comfortable, confident, just to take on that um, that advocacy to, to do your part to help our black men especially to begin healing um patrice um while we're on the subject why do you think that there's not many black male therapists like granted i feel like we know a lot of them right just because of social media and um just like the circles we all run in um through you know our connections on social media but why do we feel that it's not enough of black men that are actually on the other side not in session going there for the healing but the ones to be able to help do the healing you know i think for therapists in that regard to psychology i still think there's this stereotype that it's a it's a female job mm. and so i don't think in the black community particularly that we we really promote the idea of black men being able to be therapists. When I've gone to networking events or like school, you know, functions mm -hmm. where, you know, they had career day or whatever the case may be. I don't hear a lot of therapists saying, Hey, we need men too. Mm. And so I think when there are men in school for therapy, for becoming therapists, um, they feel a little awkward because usually they're the only ones in the room with, you know, 25 right. other women trying to be therapists. So I think the biggest thing is that we don't put the idea that they can be just as helpful as women can in this profession. And, you know, how valuable they are, because I know every black male therapist I can think of is probably full um, wow. because men you know, they, they love women too, but sometimes right. they just want a male to kind of understand where they're coming from and, you know, to kind of fill in the blanks for them sometimes. So I, I think it's just, you know, us being more open to the idea that therapists are not women all the time. It can be a man. They, men can be a marriage and family therapist. A lot of times they feel like they have to be a, a licensed clinical social worker. I think mm. just because marriage and family therapist sounds more feminine, mm. but in any capacity, we need them and you know to also encourage them that helping others means that you're helping yourself so when you go through the program of trying to be a therapist you're actually going to be doing your own work and your own healing and I think sometimes men are afraid of that as well so I think there's a lot of layers to it but I think the biggest thing is that we have to start speaking up about the demand of men that is needed for this field especially black men Hispanic men Asian men yeah they all need all all parts of the minority realm need to be represented by you know men and they're not mm. so i'm hoping that you know as um i have some male listeners that you know they really um take heed to that because what popped in my head too is um when you shared that um, many men probably are thinking that this is just like for females it made me think so they think like therapists are more nurturing right and so of course women were naturally you know nurturers but how, however there are some men too that are just like naturally um, able to nurture and you know um, cultivate those things so that made me think of just like the whole perspective shift just within yeah, that you'll see more men in like substance abuse counseling or, um, that, you yeah. know, counselors in that mm -hmm. way, because I guess maybe therapists, like you said, has that stigma of like compassion. I've heard guys that say, well, I don't know about being a therapist because I'm not a hugger. Well, wow. you don't have to be <laughs> hugging, you know, your clients. Like, you know, I don't reach out for hugs unless they want to hug. Then we give church hugs, you know, but, right. um, <laughs> but I think they're more um, accepting and comfortable with being like a counselor versus a therapist. Yes. So I just think there's a lot of um, narratives that we need to shift about exactly what we're doing in this field and that any gender can be really instrumental in helping them. You don't have to 
you don't have to be scared of like, oh, if you're a marriage and family therapist, that means that you're more on the feminine side. It just means that you specialize in, you know, relationship dynamics. Men need that desperately. So there's nothing wrong with it. Yes. And then to have somebody that right that looks like them, um, man can shift like man, you just think like how amazing that would be you know um for our communities to begin to heal especially right. our men of color um but I, but i appreciate you for like stepping up to the plate um as being one of those holding those safe spaces for our men to begin healing so i yes, definitely man, appreciate thank you, you for choosing me <laughs> <laughs> yes yes um now patrice so I want to shift gears a little bit um, as you shared that you are certified, um, a certified anger management specialist. Um, and, and I want us to kind of talk a little bit about just like anger and anger management. Now, um, how what are some typical reactions um, of men who might be dealing with anger and not necessarily being able to cope with them in a healthy way? They can get mad at the littlest things or they can be the most silent. And I know uh, for a lot of women in relationships, silence is like a deal breaker. Hmm. Um, If you're not talking to me, if you're not telling me what's going on, um, then, you know, I can't be with you. And so a lot of men struggle with being able to speak about how they're feeling. So for men, you know, you got your men on one scale that's very volatile. You know, they're making threats. They may throw things. They may punch a wall mm-hmm. um, and they may still not be able to tell you exactly wh- why they're upset. They're just acting out on it. And then you have, you know, your other guys that are more passive aggressive. They really don't say anything, but you can kind of tell in their mannerisms. They're not, you know, they're moving differently or they make might make little side comments about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got your ones that just stay stay silent. And sometimes that silence can look like maybe they're dealing with depression, but in reality is that they're fuming inside and they just don't know how to let it out. Mm. And let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. Right. Because what I love to share with people, I'm like, anger is like that secondary emotion, right? Cause it's so much easier for us to be angry and it's more acceptable, right? Especially for men to show anger versus like having vulnerable conversations or, um, showing tears. Um, so let's kind of expound a little more on that of just like how, um, Right. Because you because you hit it on the head, just like how um, an individual might be suffering from depression, but it comes out um, in these anger like emotions. Yes. And, you know, I agree with you on anger being a secondary emotion because it's the front of what we're really feeling. And so men, you know, most times won't tell you, oh, you embarrassed me or, Mm. you know, you hurt my feelings or, um, you know, this situation has really, you know, uh, affected me in a negative way because that looks like you're being too vulnerable or you're being very sensitive. And so instead of, you know, pinpointing exactly what made you feel this way, you rather just defend yourself. And so anger is your defense. It's your shield. Yeah. And so if you're going to attack me, I'm going to attack you back. And so that's why nothing productive happens in an anger episode, because you're not absorbing any more information. You're not looking for a resolution. You're looking to fight back. Mm. And so that's why I can get you in trouble big time. And that's why <clears throat> a lot of my clients end up seeing me on a mandated basis because it right. did get them in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you see more, um, men versus women being mandated for like those anger management services? Cause I'm just thinking of me, like when I get calls, it's primarily men, um, that are being mandated for the anger management services versus getting calls from the women. As far as the mandated side, I will say being that, um, you know, I've had my anger management business since about 2015, 2016, Mm -hmm. a lot of the calls did come from men because um, men act out more um, physically and not just like they're putting hands on people, but it may be throwing things or getting really um, loud and very threatening um, to individuals that they most likely will get a police call or the police will roll up 
on them at different establishments and kind of, you know, de-escalate the situation. Women, are, in my opinion, it's no shade to women because I am one too. <laughs> um, but I feel like we're more calculated. So we hit below oh. the belt in certain ways. We're not necessarily out here throwing things, but we are. I mean, we got reality TV to show that. Yeah. But I think we are more of um, verbal abuse. We will mm. call you every name in the book. We will threaten that we will take your, your kid away. You'll never see me again. And so it's not rare that women act out physically, but it's not caught up as much. And you want to also put it into the realm of domestic violence for men. Men are not going to report that their women's hitting on them. So yeah. that's why women are often not mandated to go to anger management. And when they are, it's mostly because they got into it with another female. Um, it wasn't because it was a man. The ones that I've had is because they've gotten into it with a, a relative or um, it was a parenting thing. And so both parents had to go to anger management for custody rights. Um, but for the women that usually do, you know, attack their men, the men aren't going to speak up. I mean, just to kind of take it to a, a celebrity reference, mm -hmm. you have Safari and Nicki Minaj. Safari has said that Nicki Minaj has, you know, physically um, abused him in their relationship. He never said that in their relationship. But later on, when he felt like he was being provoked, he was saying, you know, I, you weren't the innocent one in the relationship. You know, you almost... I think it was like she threw something at him and it almost cut him or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times women's anger outbursts are not reported. Mm. So they don't get caught up as much as men do. Okay. Okay. Which make, makes sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Makes makes real sense. Um, Now, Patrice, what happens when an individual doesn't learn the necessary skills to take care of their anger? So when the that guy is struggling with being able to um, cope with those emotions and just like um, be able to confront them, what other things can transpi transpire uh, can't talk today <laughs> transpire <laughs> um outside of like them getting caught up with like the law what other things can go on whether it be um maybe physically or emotionally yeah so besides that you may lose your friends you know your family and all that stuff you can also you know ultimately kill yourself and i say that in a health mm. perspective because yeah. Um, anger is a number one contributor of heart attacks and strokes. Hmm. A lot of people walking around with ulcers have anger issues. The ulcers come from stress and anger. So when you look at anger, we always talk about it as, a, as an important emotion. Um, I think there's a big stereotype that anger management is for people that are hitting people all the time. That's mm. not necessarily true. All anger management is doing is telling you, hey, you know what? Your anger can be used for good things. Let's figure it out because anger can also take you out. I think a lot of people that I see in, in you know, my practice don't realize that the high blood pressure, the headaches, um, the hand shaking, the heart palpitations, um, all of that stuff is because they keep, you know, becoming severely angry. Mm -hmm. And if we want to take it to, you know, a doctor perspective, because I ain't no doctor, but <laughs> from a medical perspective, um, what happens with your anger is that your fight or flight response mm -hmm. is alerted that, hey, somebody's attacking you. You better handle your business. And so within um, three seconds, you're in your anger response. So that's why in the first three seconds, you're ready to, you know, pop off. You're ready to read in their rights. You don't care what, mm -hmm. what else they got to say. You just want to go off because your body has told you, hey, somebody is threatening us. And you can stay in that state for up to 30 minutes. So if you are getting angry like that at least three to four times a day, what are you doing to your body? Mm. You're putting a lot, a yeah. lot of pressure. It's like literally going to war three to four times a day. So when you're using your body in that way, when you do become sick, your body's like, dude, you've been using me for so long. I don't have nothing to give you. So you better go home and lay down because you're about to take all this sickness. Because your immune system, yeah. everything gets shot. Your heart is like, every time you get upset, we're pumping extremely hard. Like, I can't keep up with this. So a 25-year-old with anger issues could be living in the body of like a 60-year-old. Mm. Because you keep putting your body through a lot of strenuous 
um, defenses because it's thinking like literally something's attacking you. So it's got the full shield on. That's why anger has to be used in the right way. That's why anger has to be slowed down because at some point, anger is going to take you out if you don't manage it appropriately. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand, that uh, it's literally your body ready to go to war. Mm. It's not just a, it's not just a mental thing. It's definitely yeah. a physical thing. That's why people get hot. That's why you pace them back yeah. and forth. That's why you feel like you got that burst of adrenaline because your body is thinking somebody is coming to get you. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, you may have heard somebody wrong. Or you may have mm-hmm. taken the situation different. So your body is ready for nothing, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I teach kids oftentimes, especially like my um my male children that I work with I'm like you know um you have to listen to your body like those are your like uh warning signs you know when you start to feel um your body getting hot or your chest beating really fast like what are those skills that I've taught you that you can do to help calm you back down and so and and just with you sharing that I automatically thought about like even the kids I work with and like how challenging that can be for them. So just imagine like how challenging that can be for like a 25 year old or 30 year old man um, that don't have those skills to be able to self-regulate. Right. Because they're thinking that those feelings is like their masculinity on a thousand. So they're not going to calm it down. They're thinking that, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And so they don't have, they don't have the idea of, dang like I'm really putting myself through the ringer this is not a this is not a good idea and so you know that's where anger management comes in it's kind of letting you know like hey this is what you're doing to yourself I don't think you intentionally mean to do it but this is what anger does that's why it's important to have it because we need to know when there is a threat coming and when we need to make a change but you need to use it on that level when it's necessary and 80% of the time that you're angry it's not necessary That's real good. Um, Now, Patrice, just to shift a little bit, um, because we keep we're acknowledging anger management. Right. And so um, we have those individuals that are being called for anger management. And I've ran across some of those individuals that was like, oh, this anger management class didn't teach me anything. And what I thought about immediately was um, and I don't know if you're familiar with it. Charlie Sheen had a show like a few years back called Anger Management. And I think he was he wasn't he the therapist or something. Right. I believe so. Right. But it, I just remember it being so like unethical <laughs> with like the Very stuff unethical. you would do. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I hope people don't think this is what anger management is. So if you can let the evolvers know, like, what actually is anger? Man- like, what can you expect from g- attending an anger management class? And then maybe how long? Because, you know, sometimes I would get calls from men who are like, I don't want to go to that place because it's nine months long. How long is your anger Right. And I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's funny because I think everybody runs their anger management differently. Yeah. And I also think it depends on um, the setting because sometimes it's for uh, it's free anger management or low cost anger management. And so you know a lot of times they get a curriculum mm-hmm. i've heard it to where it's like classroom style like everybody pull out your books and do your work oh. so it really wasn't like an engaging type of group setting mm-hmm. but what i can tell you is that you know there's a there's a few things you can look forward to in anger management Yes, there are programs that are year long because people are mandated to do 52 weeks in California. I know that is a big number that rolls around is that they have to do 52 weeks of court mandated anger management. And those classes are usually two hours. Mm, Wow. So it's like the more people, the better. (laughs) (laughs) so you can get the time you know to go but I can tell you what you should be looking for in your anger management is that you should be looking for a group I would say no more than eight because you want to be able to get you know your questions answered you want to be able to participate a group of like 12 or more is way too much now you're just sitting there listening to everybody Mm. Um, so I would say like a group of eight is pretty good of course there should be a curriculum but you should be able to go over the topic and apply it to your life Um, My anger management group, 
um, they actually asked if we could have it a little longer because they loved it because I kind of took what was in the book, but also what what they were going through. We would kind of go off on a tangent and talk about that topic. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, um, a topic that came up that wasn't in, in the curriculum was but the word but. And I will always tell them. Because something came up where we were talking about, you know, I apologize for doing A, B, and C, but you. I'm like, mm. oh, so your apology just went out the door. And they, for the life of them, could not understand what I was talking about. <laughs> and we had to practice it. And it actually took two weeks. I said, oh, we're wow. not moving forward until you guys understand what an apology really is and owning up to your anger and how you messed up and not canceling it out by trying to blame something on them. Wow. So that's the type of dynamic that you should see. You should you should see where you guys are engaging and bringing your own real life um, situations and talking about it as a group. What's also awesome about anger management groups is that you got people in the room that know exactly where you're coming from. And so not only are you talking about yourself and getting what you need, they're also getting what they need too. So you guys also become like a little friend group where you're like checking each other like, man, you know, last week we just talked about that. Like, why did you backslide or why did you do this? Or why don't you try yeah. this and that? So it becomes like a collective, like, hey, we're about to get our anger, you know, under control. So anger management is not supposed to be a classroom setting. You should be able to sit in a group with the, you know, the facilitator and a few other people mm -hmm. really just talking about why anger is so important to you because it, it, it there's a reason why you're so passionate about it. And so that's what I want people to understand is that you don't go to anger management because you're hitting people. That's what the first thing I just want you to know. I, I hit nobody. That's not why I'm here. Okay, great. If you was hitting people, you probably wouldn't be here. You'd be in jail. Yeah, yeah. Or if you was hitting your partner, you would be in batter's intervention group, which is another um, another part of anger management strictly for um Domestic partnerships. If you're hitting your partner, you're not going to anger management. You're going to domestic violence or you're going to batter's intervention. Yes. So people that are in anger management aren't necessarily hitting people. Mm. Um, so that's a misconception. That's not why you're there. What you're there for is because you're yelling. You may have punched a wall. Mm. Or maybe you have made threats that you didn't mean, but everybody took it real seriously. And so you got to learn how to use your words better. So it's all about keeping your anger and just using it for the right reasons. And so once people kind of get over that whole stigma of um, everybody thinks like I'm a hothead around here, mm -hmm. they start to realize that anger management's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. It's pretty dope. But it's just getting them in that door. So I'm here to tell y'all that everybody <laughs> in life, you don't have to be mandated. You can all benefit from anger management. I benefit from anger management because I got to teach it. And it's really yeah. funny because I could be in the middle of a topic and I'd be like, dang. <laughs> That right. just hit, that just that just touched my soul right now because <laughs> I totally didn't do that. I should have did this. I could have done this better. No matter how many times you know I teach it, mm -hmm. so everybody can benefit from anger management. You don't have to be in a state of losing your family, losing your job, losing your relationship, losing your freedom to know that the way that you're using your anger is not okay. You want to learn how to use it better so everybody can benefit from anger management and if group settings are not your thing you can always do individual sessions mm, and that's, that's okay true. too because you don't get that intensive work <laughs> i oh, said yeah. okay you don't want to be in a group fine <laughs> this whole 50 minutes is just for you uh -huh. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pick up every, you know, everything that you're doing and I'm going to help you understand how you can do it better. And you know, I I always recommend um, individual sessions for somebody that has gone a group a few times mm -hmm. and it's just not doing it for them. Maybe they're mm -hmm. not able to open up in a group or you may have your, you know, your, your, um, your law enforcement that probably don't want to go to a group because you might see somebody that you arrested in there. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah. so some people don't necessarily qualify for a group setting but I would say if you're looking for you know better ways to just understand your anger response and how you can do things better sometimes being in a supportive group is is really what you need and there's nothing wrong with that at all mm. thank you for sharing that because I was like I'm pretty sure people are probably asking wondering how do you know what to look for in an anger management group yeah because just that TV show had popped in my head. Like, Ooh. I don't think that was a good 
a depiction of <laughs> anger management. It, it wasn't, you know, and like I said, I've heard everything to we we sat at desk and we opened our books mm, to everybody yeah. took a turn reading a passage um, in, the, in the book. And we just did that like it wasn't very personable. So I think it just depends mm. on what what anger management you're looking for. Um, I know my group, we had very intensive conversations. And so um, most of my groups, that's why they wanted to stay was because they said, I ain't never had an anger management class like this before. Like I actually went home. I was wow. excited to tell my partner what I was doing. I was excited to go over the book with my partner or my friends or whatever the case and show them what I'm doing and getting a real perspective of not just deep breathing. That's another misconception. Mm. I'm not going to sit in group and just tell you to take a deep <laughs> breath. You need to do more than that. So I think that's a, a misconception too, that it's all about just breathe and meditate. No, that's not, that's, I mean, that is an anger management technique, but that is not the one. Um, so I think there's just a lot of misconceptions about anger management, but I say anger management's cool. I love it. It keeps <laughs> me in check. It keeps me in check even, you know, as a human being. So, yeah. Um, I think anybody, you don't have to be mandated. If you just know, like somebody's looking at you, like, you know, like the way that you talk to me, is it cool? Or you realize that your heart's beating a lot more or your anger's lasting very long. Like you're mm -hmm. still stewing over stuff overnight. You don't have breakfast, brushed your teeth, mm. got in the car and you're still mad about something. You need to learn how to, you know, deescalate yourself and process better. These are the moments that anger management is going to be ideal for you. So mm. please, please, please take advantage of it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and now, Patrice, how do you help men to increase their positive mental wellness? Ooh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very difficult for them. Um, mm. I always remind them that they are a human being. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, they are men, but it's okay to have emotions. Yeah. And it's okay to acknowledge that you feel a certain type of way. And it's okay to express that to people how you feel. And that everybody may not relate to what you're doing or how you're feeling. And they may make a comment because maybe they're uncomfortable because, wow, you're you're being vulnerable about something. Mm -hmm. And they're not okay with being vulnerable. So they make like a joke or whatever out of their own insecurities or uncomfortability. Mm -hmm. But I always yeah. tell men that you matter. And our world needs you. And so part of taking care of yourself is recognizing the importance of yourself. Mm. People can always, you know, have a difference of opinion about what you're doing or how you're feeling. But at the end of the day, as long as you acknowledge how you feel, that's how you're going to be your most healthiest. And all you can and all you can do is express how you feel and people can take it how they want to. That's not your job to convince them anything. Mm -hmm. It's just to be your most transparent self. So I tell them when you're feeling upset, walk away. And ladies, ladies that are listening to this, please, please, please. Anytime I get on any platforms, I say this. If your man walks away, please let him walk away. Mm. Please don't follow him and say, we That's ain't good. finished. Be a man about it. No, yeah. no. Yeah. He That's is good. being a man about it. He's walking away. Let him walk away. Give him his time to, you know, decompress and figure out how he wants to approach the situation in the most respectful way. So I tell men to take care of yourself, walk away, um, write down why you're upset, you know, watch some TV, um, mm -hmm. you know, take a gym break, get a snack, whatever the case may be, you know how you feel inside. Don't try to um, mitigate how you feel. Take care of yourself by understanding yourself. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to say, can I talk about this at another time? It's okay to understand in the moment you don't know why you're upset, but you don't like how you feel. And to take a moment to figure that out. And I think that's where men sometimes have difficulties that they don't want to explore themselves. They just want to they just want to get rid of the feeling right away. Mm. In order to know yourself, you have to explore it. And so taking care of yourself is understanding how you're feeling in the moment. So I always tell them, I, I actually, it's funny because I'll get them a feelings wheel like a kid, but Aww. I love that feelings wheel and I'll laminate it. And I'm like, you better take this with you. <laughs> and when you, when you're feeling a certain type of way, go look at the wheel to find a word because a lot of times they don't know what they're feeling. They can't put a word to it. Um, so it's just exploring their, their feelings and, and, and saying it out loud and, and putting a name to it. That is really the most biggest self care that a man can do for themselves. Cause once mm. they get to that level, you can see a change in them. 
They're able to stay more calmer. They're able to have, you know, conversations about emotions and, and troubleshoot mm-hmm. through things once they can identify what they're feeling. So that is the biggest self-care tip that I can give to a man about, you know, protecting your mental wellness mm-hmm. and, you know, having a, a, a healthy mental wellness is just being okay with learning about yourself. Yeah, I love that. And, te- and tell your family and friends you learn about yourself mm. so they can learn with you because they don't know either. Mm. Wow. Um, another piece that I'm thinking about, Patrice, is, you know, often sometimes, and, and I'm just thinking, right, when we're working with clients, like, you know, they're doing the work to change, um, just change things within them to begin their healing. But yet they go back into these environments that aren't necessarily um, productive for their healing. So how do you help the man stay motivated, right, to want to continue to show up every week um, or whatever um, at your office to to continue to keep doing the healing when maybe the environment isn't as as supportive and not productive for the healing absolutely so a lot of times you you know you get your guys that are like well when i go home my my partner my wife is all over me or the kids are all over me when i go to work specifically minority men they can't be themselves at work because people take them as being aggressive um Mm. they have to stand a certain way they have to talk a certain way because people are thinking that they're hostile and that goes for uh minority women too specifically black women Mm -hmm. um so what i always tell them i said you know you can only uh, control what you do you can't control people places or things all you can do is control yourself so what you can do is remove yourself from that environment if you're constantly being triggered at home then maybe couples therapy or couples anger management may be um something that you need to do with your partner because it's coming to a place where if the environment is toxic, you may have to remove yourself. And sometimes that is removing yourself from relationships. If mm, your job yeah. is continuously putting stress on you, you feel like you can't be yourself, then it's time to remove yourself from that job and find something else. A part of your healing is adjusting your environment. You can't keep coming to therapy. You can't keep coming to anger management, getting the tools that you need and not applying them in your environment. It's not going to be successful. Mm. So a lot of times we're, we're, we're focusing on environmental changes because you can't remove yourself. That is the thing that you have control over. And I think that's where um, men hesitate because they feel like if they leave an environment, they're punking out, Mm. they're failing. They need to be stronger. Their mama didn't raise no weak man. Um, You know, being weak is not leaving somewhere where you know is toxic for you. Mm. being strong is understanding that this isn't working for you and instead of you fighting the battle which ultimately you will lose whether it's you flip out and lose your job over having an anger outburst or you have a stroke heart attack high blood pressure whatever the case may be and you end up having an illness that you have to take medications for for the rest of your life you're going to lose the battle if you don't remove yourself so being a, a strong you know mental wellness person is removing yourself from situations so Part of anger management is identifying the coping skills to get you through situations, but also giving you the awareness of knowing when it's time to remove yourself from that environment. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much. And I definitely can talk to you all day about this um, and other stuff. So I definitely know I got to have you back. So I'm going to definitely yes. have you back. Because <laughs> we definitely got to talk about how men control their anger by self-medicating. Oh, yes. <laughs> Because yes. the, because the day or two that they don't have that marijuana, you see what's really coming out. So yeah, Ooh. that's a whole another topic. Oh, that okay, that yes. is very that is very very crucial to men and their anger, self medicating. Mm. Wow, that is so true. Okay, we gonna yeah, we, we gonna get you <laughs> back on to talk about that because that that's something we definitely have to talk about. Um, yes, and to begin to break that cycle. Yes. Um, so before we head off, Patrice, I always like to ask um, my guests to share what are three key ingredients they feel an individual needs to be able to evolve into their best self? Ooh, three ingredients. <laughs> okay, we making a cake. We making a cake. Got it. Um, one ingredient is comfortability. Comfortability mm. of shifting. Whether it's shifting within yourself or shifting around others. Um, Confidence. Confidence that you know 
what's best for yourself. You trust your gut instinct. No one can tell you that you can't, tr- you can't, you don't know your true self. You have to be comfortable in understanding that you know your own triggers of something's not right. I don't feel good. And, and see yourself through that. And also support being able to allow people to support you. Mm-hmm. I know men definitely have a hard time. It's not like it's not there. And I think that's where a lot of um, women you know, feel defeated is because they try to be there for men as much as possible, but they feel like men won't let them in. And it's usually not because of the woman, it's because that's what they were conditioned to do was to hold everything in. And that's why there is a higher rate of suicide within men. Um, But the support, allowing others to support you, allowing others to understand you. When you're able to allow yourself to understand yourself and others to understand you, you're always going to be evolving and you're always going to be comfortable with evolving. When you don't have those, that's why you're you're not changing because you're not comfortable with your change. Mm-hmm. And that's why you won't move any further. Wow. Thank you. And I love every single one of those. And now can you let the listeners know how they can connect with you, how they can um, book you um, if interested in working with you or having you come be a speaker? Yes. So um, my personal website is patricendouglas.com. You can always follow me on social media. Twitter and Facebook is uh, at the Patrice and Douglas. Uh, Instagram is at the Patrice Nicole. If you're looking to book me for consultations about working with men, um, anger management, um, working with, you know, black clients, all of that good stuff, speaking engagements, you can find me there. If you're looking to maybe check out my anger management services because I do offer virtual uh, individuals, um, I will be probably bringing back the black men anger management virtual group probably in the next few months. That group always way sells out and um ladies i don't forget about you either i got a group for you too um but you can always find um, my services at empirecounseling.net um i have three locations so i am licensed in california and texas and i also have a location in new york that deals with parenting and anger management um so you can always book a session if you're in any of those states um and i look forward to helping anybody the best way i can whether it's consultation um or you know that you need to get into anger management or stress management or therapy because you're tired of living the way that you are i'm here to help you navigate that and get you onto a path of you love living life again Yes, I love, love, love that. Y'all go connect with Patrice. She's doing some amazing things. And then um, if we can highlight before we um, head off the infographics that you had created, um, social media went ridiculously um bonkers about them because they were amazing they um featured um black individuals um and you highlighted um like stats and things like that just like about anxiety and depression can you share a little bit about that and then i'll all of this will definitely be in the show notes so individuals will be able to go and look at those infograph infographics themselves as well and connect with you too Yes. So let me first off say that um, that was not expected <laughs> by the least. Um, yeah. You know, I I just said I just want to make an infographic of what 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 symptoms of depression look like in black men and what anxiety looks like in black women. And it was just mostly because I've noticed that a lot of, you know, the infographics that are being passed around really didn't have us on there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was just trying to make, you know, a little, you know, a little graphic about what anxiety can look like for you. And, um, you know, I had posted the women's first and it went okay, but man, that man one blew up. And then because the man one blew up then the woman one blew up, (laughs) but, um, yeah, and it was funny because that day I had actually stayed home from my clinic um, because I wasn't feeling well. So that whole day, like, my iPad was dinging with Twitter, um, <laughs> and I just – I didn't know what to do. And then Facebook, and so I think as of date today, it's been at least um, retweeted between the both of them at least 18,000 times. Wow. Um, I think we're maybe at, like, at five to 6,000 on Facebook. Instagram, wow. we're probably, in, you know, in the, in the, the thousands. Um, but it was really important for me to – help 
my people identify what anxiety looks like. I think a lot of times we thought it was, you know, biting our nails or Mm -hmm. panicking, pacing up and down the hall, not realizing that it could be you don't want to achieve your goals or you smoke weed a lot or you're drinking wine every night. Um, Or for men, you know, you're having these thoughts of why am I living anymore? These are things that we battle with every day that you guys are just thinking it's part of life and part of that mantra of suck it up. No, that is what depression looks like. This is what anxiety looks like. Um, And so, you know, the graphics are out there. Um, I made it available for download for free on my website. Um, You guys can download it and, you know, use it as educational tools for anybody that you know. Um, But, you know, I just I want I want my community to understand that mental mental health and mental illnesses is not a white people thing by any means we deal with it and if anything we deal with it harder Mm. but because we've always been instructed to just go through life knowing that we're black and that being black is going to be difficult and nobody cares about it it's just a way of life suck it up you don't have time to cry this is why we are one of the biggest communities that have untreated mental illnesses and mental health issues because we don't identify with what a mental illness or a mental health issue looks like. And so the point of the infographic was to raise that. And boy, did it. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful that you created those because it, it's needed. It's definitely and there's needed. more coming. <laughs> there's more coming. I, I was thinking about, ooh, I don't know if I want to go viral again. This is rough. Like, I was telling... um. I had put it on Instagram. I said, now I know how Kim Kardashian feels with that whole fashion over dress thing. Um, <laughs> because, because I put something out and everybody, I mean, I would say, you know, 85% of the support was amazing. And you always got, you know, that 15% of, of this looks like anxiety for anybody. Why does it have to be a black thing? Not realizing mm. that I said it's the most common symptoms seen in black men or black women. So people came for me. Um, some people yeah. try to, you know, I think uh, take credit for my work. So, wow. um, yeah, I felt <laughs> like Kim Kardashian in the moment. So I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this again. But you know what? <laughs> the fact that I was able to um, get 80 people to therapists. I, I've connected 80 people since wow. the time that has went viral. Wow. And that week, um, I've connected them to to black therapists and, wow. you know, helping them understand that their insurance covers this and how, you know, therapy can really be affordable if you just finagle your budget. Right. So right. the fact that I was able to send 80 black w- men and women to therapy, wow. I'm going to do it again. So wow. stay. So stay tuned. because. <laughs> God said I don't have a choice. So right. we just don't do this. Yeah, he, <laughs> he told me I don't have a choice. So there is going to be more, but I really appreciate, you know, your support, everybody's oh, support, welcome. because it was rough. Yeah. It was rough for a yeah. minute. Um, But the fact that it's been so instrumental in us getting aware of, hey, it's okay to see a therapist because I deal with the same things that other cultures do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think is what we needed to shift us to get into a place of really taking better care of ourselves so i really appreciate you know your support and everybody else with it yes yes well i can't wait to see what else you have in store um and you all stay connected and thank you so much patrice for being such a great guest and so we are going to have you back um just because it's so much you know so many layers right um just breaking the the shame and fear um in our community on all things mental health so you know i gotta have you back (laughs) yes please do i will be more than happy to come back yes thank you so you all evolvers make sure you go like subscribe rate this um podcast and and reach out to patrice um follow her share her stuff um because she's doing some amazing amazing things in our community and for our men um so you all be well and be blessed peace Hey, TC listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to connect with me on social media, on Instagram at The Evolving Chair, Facebook, The Evolving Chair, Twitter at The Evolving Chair without the R, and my new email address, podcast at theevolvingchair.com. So send in your questions if you are interested in being a guest or want to be on the chair with Lakeisha.